Scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm chapter 71, verses 17 through 21. Psalm 71, 17 through 21. O God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me, until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come, also your righteousness, O God, is very high. And you who have done great things, O God, who is like you? You who have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Good morning. We're going to continue our thinking from last week. From what I understand, this lesson is very uh, fitting for this morning and as it was for last week. And what we're going to look at this morning is hope to another generation. And what we had read to us this morning from Psalm 71 gives a description of that. Uh, A thankfulness to God that to have knowledge and to have faith from Him and to pass it on to another another generation, to proclaim that to others. That's something that we as Christians and here at Dean Road want. That's what we want to focus on. We want a focus on our children. We want them to grow up. We want to pass it on to the next generation. When I think about my children, I often think about that. I want my children to be faithful. I pray that all the time. I pray to God, bless my children to be faithful. Bless the children at Dean Road to grow up and be faithful Christians. I pray for them to find faithful spouses. That should be our desire and our focus. When I look at our Bible classes and I look at our Bible club back here, I think about that, and I think it's a wonderful thing. A lot of this congregation has seen a lot of reviving and a lot of new life in it because of our children and the young families that have come in here, and I thank God for that. So how can Christians pass on their hope of eternal life to their children? How can we give that hope to them? We need to be talking about it. We need to be praising God and thanking Him for it. I thank God all the time, and especially my kids, is like, think about eternal life. Think about the wonders there. Think about what God has planned in that, that paradise. Sometimes we get all wrapped up in the figurative language and don't look at what is behind the text there in Revelation 21 and 22, the beauty that is there, the glory that is there. Sometimes we get distracted and we forget the gospel and don't put an emphasis on how Christ and how he died for us, gave us eternal life and how he rose again to life to give us that hope of eternal life. As parents, we have to focus and give that to our our children. As a congregation, when we look at the children around us, that needs to be something within them, a hope within them. Last week, we talked about how hope is essential, how it is for our children. In 1 John chapter 3, the Bible says that those who hope in that resurrection and that new life that Christ gives Those that hope, they become holy. They live holy lives. And you'll find that in Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 8 as well. Passage after passage telling us that if we believe in eternal life and we believe in the resurrection, we will live a holy life committed to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 13 to 15 teaches that again. It is throughout the Bible. And it's something we do not want to simply pass over. So what is that hope? This is what we see here in the Bible and in the Scriptures. The hope that saves us. I often hear that quote, and you'll hear Romans chapter 8, verse 24 and 25. We are saved by hope. It is for this reason that we are saved. If we back up and look at verse 23, he says, what is that hope? 
It is the redemption of the body. And when we die, the spirit separates from the body. In the resurrection, the body and the spirit are reunited. And even more, it receives this. Number two, the hope is when the mortal body puts on immortality. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 4, that the mortal must put on immortality. That's why Christ rose from the dead. He rose like none other. And when he rose, he rose immortal and he had that imperishable body. He is the first fruits of us. We got to pass that hope on to our children. Number three, 1 Corinthians 15, This is the victory. This is the victory that Christians look forward to. The triumph is right here. The victory of the resurrection, of overcoming death. Paul spends 58 verses. I know it's broken up by a man in 58 verses, but all there in chapter 15, and I know that a man put it in chapter 15, but all that section there is on the resurrection and on eternal life and how you cannot believe and say that you believe that Christ rose from the dead and then reject the final day of eternal life and resurrection. And you can't reject the resurrection without rejecting Christ. Paul argues there. It is the victory. It gives us courage and boldness that in the face of death, if I die, that I will have eternal life through Christ who rose again. Our children, we look at them, they're very dependent. They're dependent on us. I think about my kids and always coming up to me and saying, Daddy, I want a sandwich. Daddy, I want a banana. Daddy, I want a snack. You find out what snack it is. Not that one, not that one, not that one. And I, I'm trying to figure it out. They go to their mother and say, Mom, can you make me a sandwich? And she says, you know you have a dad, too. And so they come back to me, and they say, Dad, she says you're supposed to make me a sandwich. And so I make them a sandwich. I like doing that. But our children are dependent on us. They're dependent on us to care for them to give them clothing and food and shelter and protection. And when Jesus talks about our lowliness and humility being like children, I believe this is what he is talking about. He's talking about their lack of self-reliance, their dependence on us, their helplessness, and that we are to learn from that humility in that state that they are in and to gain from it. Children are reliant on adults to teach them God's word to them too. And so it's a shame on us if we'll provide them with food, clothing, and shelter and protection physically, but we don't provide that spiritually. I try to say, go to your heavenly Father. Go to the one who can give you uh, the white clothing, who can give you food for eternal life, that you can eat from the tree of life, from that water of eternal life, from the, the shelter of paradise and the protection that he gives you into eternity. God gives that. And we have to do that. I know the world today tells us, oh, don't indoctrinate your children. Uh, You should be giving them something else, teaching them uh, something balanced. And the world says that, but they won't do it themselves. You're just going to teach your children what the Bible says and what it says about creation, what it says about eternal life, what it says about Jesus Christ. Yes, that's what I'm going to teach them. And I'm going to make them aware of any kind of false teaching as well. But I don't have to make it balanced in my home. I don't have to say that one is equal to another. I know what the truth is, and I'm going to give it to them. And I know the world, even though they're going to say the same thing, doesn't do that. If we leave our children to the world, and we lead them to be looking for this dependence on spiritual things, and we don't give it to them, where are they going to get it from? Where are they going to turn? 
They're going to look around the people around them who pay attention to them, who offer them, try to offer them other things, who lead them astray, who lead them in sin and error and away from God. It's up to us to be there as Christians. Luke chapter 18, 15 through 17, Jesus says this, and we're going to see his words here. It says, Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him and he said, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. As Christians, we're dependent on our Heavenly Father, every one of us in here, to turn to him, to know that we are helpless without him, that we need to rely on him. When we look at the world today, we have a lot of people who have, who have turned away, who have become rebellious. And sometimes I think about, you know, many times how teenagers react, and sometimes as adults we act the same way. Those a rebellious teenager who turns away and won't listen to their parents, and so many adults do that with their Heavenly Father. I won't listen. On the other hand, you've got some that are very spoiled. I want you to give me everything. There's no growth. There's no wanting to uh, be reliant And some people turn to God and say, God, give me everything. And you need to do what I want you to do. The Bible tells us to be humble like these children, dependent, but not spoiled, relying on him and looking for everlasting life. You have your Bibles this morning. Get your Bible out. Let's look in Matthew chapter 18. And let's look in verses 1 through 4 and listen to what Christ says here. Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. It says, in that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You have different settings where Jesus is very much taught the same thing. Become humble like this child. Rely on your heavenly father. And our children need guidance. They need instruction. They need those who are going to give to them and take care of them spiritually. These are some observations I take from Matthew 18. Jesus commands that people let the little children come to him. He's going to bless them, and he prays over them. He says, learn from them, admire them. As us, in our application in this, not becoming like little children, it keeps us from eternal life. You know this. You know how it is. Uh, You might come here on Sunday and through the rest of the week, you don't think much about God. You're not very reliant or trusting on Him. Maybe you've had that in your life. Hopefully you're not going through that right now. But many who claim to be Christians that are sitting in the pews on Sunday morning are not reliant on their Father like they need to be. They're not humble. Humanity must realize that they need God. That's always been the problem, hasn't it? When we're trying to evangelize to somebody, we're trying to teach them the gospel, here it is. Here's the life that Christ gives you. This is what you need to do to obey the gospel. And for some reason they think, I don't need it. I don't need the church, and I don't need the the assembly, and I don't need to worship. And they go down the list of everything they think they don't need. And the rationale is, well, good people go to heaven, and I'm a good person, therefore I don't need it. Uh, and they'll say, I no longer need the gospel. I no longer need Christ. I never, no longer need my heavenly Father to give me what I need, to take care of me and to instruct me in where to go. 
And we see this in this passage here. You will not enter the kingdom of heaven unless you humble yourself like a child. Unless you rely on God, on your Creator, and turn to Him. That's what humanity must realize. That's what we need to see in our children. So I ask you the big question this morning. Adults lack the humility and dependency like children to rely on God. And here's the problem. The greater problem with that and part of our message this morning is you're not relying on God. You're not turning to Him. What is the result there? What's going to happen with your children and to others? What example are they going to learn from you? Who's going to help guide them to turn to their Heavenly Father and go to God's Word? Passages of Scriptures teach us that the time in our youth is, is when we want to begin. That as we get older in age, it becomes harder and harder to become faithful and to make change in our life. And so we want to start with our youth. We want our children to be able to say what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth for them to say, yes, that's what we believe. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come. Notice this. The evil days come and the years draw near in which you will say, I have no pleasure in it. And he goes on there to give a description of an older person, someone who has been rebellious against God and has been hardened by the world and no longer has any kind of hope. The truth is today, now is the time to depend on God. Not to be rebellious or spoiled, but to lean on Him and encourage our children to do the same thing to remember their Creator in their youth. Last week, I asked the question, you know, what's happening to our children and why are so many teenagers leaving uh, the church? I think it has to do right here that they're not mindful of their Creator. They're not remembering Him. We want to encourage them in love to do that. There's a faith in youth that we want to pass on, take it on in our youth and pass it on to the next generation while they're young. Psalm 71 was our reading. I want to look at that passage again, and we'll make some observations from this text as well. Psalm 71, look in verses 5 and 6. The psalmist says, For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. He's saying, I know that I relied on you even in my mother's womb. When I was there, when I was alive, I leaned on you and I still did it throughout my youth. And he goes on to build on this point. Look down in verse 17 again. Oh God, from my youth, you have taught me. But can you say that? God, in my youth, you have taught me. And I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens, and you have done great things, O God, who is like you. You have made me see many troubles and calamities and will revive me again from the depths of the earth. You will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. When we listen to the psalmist, I hope we feel the same way. I want the next generation to have faith. Believers need to start and build their faith from their youth. We see that from the scriptures we've seen this morning, specifically from Psalm 71. The objective of the faithful is to proclaim God to another generation, that we pass it on. And the psalmist here, he hopes God will raise him up again from the depths of the earth. It resembles and sounds like many other passages 
in the scriptures of what hope is. So I ask you this morning, do you want our children to, to grow old and to say the same thing that from their youth they knew God and they'll proclaim it to the next generation? Luke 9, 46 to 48. An argument arose among them, among the disciples, that is, and to which one of them, which one was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, he took a child and put him by his side and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. Why did Christ do that? No, there's no other context there. This is a different setting than the passages we read in Matthew chapter 18. And here, the disciples are arguing among themselves. Who's going to be greatest? And he takes the child. He says, look at the child. This is where your focus needs to be on teaching others. The next generation, on children as well. Look at their humility. Look at their reliance upon God. And he says, whoever receives a child in my name, they receive me. That is the objective of us in this congregation. We want our children, we want the next generation to uphold the faith. Instead of arguing who is the greatest or who's the most successful or who's going to do this or that or whose work is more important in the congregation, the disciples of Christ must focus on serving others, especially children. As we see here, as Christ taught the humble, this is what they'll do. They will help children. They will guide them in faith to follow God. And so if we receive Christ, we must receive children. Why do our children need hope rising on the last day? We talked about this at the beginning. We need to see it again. Number one, hope produces holiness. And for that reason, Paul said, keep your body holy. Respect it. 1 Corinthians 6, 13 to 15. Number two, through baptism, Christians are born again to a living hope that's what Peter says. I'm going to read this passage in a, in a moment. And Peter says, when you're born again, when you're baptized, it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that you hope for something greater, something beyond, an expectation of what God is going to give you, immortality. And in chapter 3 and verse 21, he says, baptism now saves you, not by washing of the dirt from the flesh, but he says, in his appeal to God for a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. And number three, Ephesians 4, 4 says there's one hope. We can't divide and come up with different forms of it. There's one hope of eternal life. In fact, 1 Timothy 1, 1 says, our hope is Christ. It is Christ. Are you going to pass that on to your children? I ask you this morning, do these scriptures describe your hope of eternal life? Is this your hope? Is this what you look forward to? Your challenge this morning is to pass on Biblical expectation of eternal life to the next generation. Have that focus. Receive Christ by receiving children. There is one hope. The only way to have eternal life is through Jesus Christ. This morning, if you have not been baptized into Christ, you don't have that hope yet of eternal life. You have not yet taken on that blessing that comes through Christ. You have not yet partaken of the death, the burial, and the resurrection that saves you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4 tells us that it's the gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection that saves us. As Peter says of 1 Peter chapter 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again, as he explains later, baptism to a living hope, that you have that expectation through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That should be our hope. This morning, if you haven't been baptized in the Christ, you can have a part of this. You can believe and confess your faith that Jesus rose from the dead. And upon that confession, you can repent of your sins, die to them as Christ died. And you can be buried in waters of baptism as Christ was buried, like he was buried, and rise up from that water into a new life. If you want that hope, you can have it now. If you need prayers, you need encouragement, I encourage you to come right now. Come now as we stand and we sing.